1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Trashy
0: Divorces. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends, I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today as we do a little dancing in the dark. Naturally, this attaches to your story. Yes. But it's taken us 14 seasons, Stacy. We're going to introduce a new term in my story today. Yes, we do.
1: Who do you have for us, Alicia?
0: Talking about the two trashy divorces and lasting love of Steve (laughs) Harvey this
1: week. It ends on a good note for sure. And this week you're bringing us... I have the 11-year marriage of Courtney Cox and David Arquette, including that time he was a pro wrestling champion. There was a lot for packed that. in to this episode for
0: sure. Before we begin, got this nice shiny magic mirror we with some do. fancy, fancy names in it. I want to give some big shout-outs to our newest Patreon supporters who have joined us over at patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces.
1: Thank you for supporting us, Sarah P., Jennifer, Lori K., Beth N., Joyce F., and Pet Peeb. Holy cats, Amanda W. is our newest super,
0: super supporter. We are so grateful to all of our new patrons, all of our existing patrons. And to you. Yeah.
1: Out here on the main feed. Trashy listener. Yep. Coming on back. We got a show to do. Alicia, you can't start a fire without a spark, so what should we do? (sighs) <sighs> we gotta go, 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 Alicia. You are bringing us the the dual trashy divorces of funny man Steve Harvey today, huh? I am comedian and
0: television host, mm-hmm. all kinds of hosts. He, yeah. Steve Harvey is one of the most recognizable names and faces in the entertainment industry today. Probably best known for being the host of family feud. It's funny stuff. Mm -hmm. Steve Harvey was born January 17th, 1957 in West Virginia.
1: Capricorn men. Sorry, West West by God, Virginia. I think you mean (laughs) so many Capricorn men
0: on this show. He's raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Despite all of Steve Harvey's wealth and fame now, he has not forgotten his Ohio roots. Recently, he went on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and Steve Harvey shares that while on vacation in France, he heard the Family Feud theme song and started crying. He says, I'm from Cleveland. I come from nothing. And these people are doing the Family Feud theme song in the (laughs) South of France? I went to Glenville High School. It just messed me up, man.
1: (laughs) That's nice, actually.
0: Steve Harvey has won a whopping six Daytime Emmy Awards for his talk show and for hosting Family Feud. In addition to a stand-up career, radio program, sitcom success, having his own talk show, and being a game show host, Steve Harvey is also a New York Times best-selling author. Wow. Somehow I just did not know all of these accolades. Oh, whoa, he's a man of many talents. Sure. In addition to some professional self-help books, he has written... a. Uh, Fun book called Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, What Men Really Think About Love Relationships and Commitment. Also, he's the author of Straight Talk, No Chaser, How to Find, Keep, and Understand a Man.
1: Hmm. And, but he's being discussed on trashy divorces. Correct. So,
0: (laughs) slightly ironic a little bit here because Steve Harvey has had a pretty bumpy road with relationships himself. So,
1: relationship guides that you wanna take with a grain of salt, maybe. Married three times, wow, Steve okay. Harvey, and the first divorce seems fairly run of the
0: mill. The second divorce was one of the nastiest ever seen. It's trashy. It's the kind we like. And now, Steve Harvey seems to have found lasting happiness with his third wife. Maybe it's from these experiences that make him a good person to give advice. I'm not sure. Maybe he's learned from his mistakes. Let's get into it. First wife for Steve is Marsha. And Marsha and Steve are together long before he's famous. They meet at a party of a mutual friend. They hit it off. They date for a few years. They get married in 1980. When they get married in 1980, Steve is working as an insurance salesman. That's his gig. His dream is to be a stand-up comedian.
1: But still working
0: the day gig. Gotta pay the rent. Couple will have three children together, twin daughters and a son. And because this marriage mostly takes place prior to the world knowing about the talents of Steve Harvey, there are a lot of details from this marriage that have, for all good reasons, remained very private. What Marsha has said is that Steve's goals of fame and what he needed to do to achieve those goals puts a great deal of strain on the marriage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His focus is on his entertainment career. It's not necessarily providing financially for his family yeah, or holding that, down a stable job.
1: That can cause, a, especially if you have young children and you're like out late at the comedy club and your wife's at home with, you know, screaming babies. And
0: Well, and those gigs don't tend to pay a whole lot mm-hmm. in the beginning and they're not consistent right? So it's, again, it's a little hard to plan a family kind of life in that environment. The gigs do get more consistent, but not till closer to the end of the marriage. But once Steve's career takes off, his focus is only on that. He spends less time with his kids, less time with his wife, again, additionally straining the marriage. But Marsha claims that the marriage was surviving We were working it out. We were making it happen until Steve cheated on her. And Marcia said that once Steve had stepped out and was unfaithful, she's dropping that rope. Not getting off the field, not playing the game anymore. Yeah. Steve tells the story of performing stand-up one night out at the club, seeing a beautiful woman walk into the show a little bit late, and he said he couldn't take his eyes off of her. He apparently told someone later that was around him, I don't know who this is, but I'm going to marry her. Her name is Marjorie Bridges. The two start dating. She would later become his third wife. Hmm. But there's a second marriage oh, in between Marcia and Marjorie. Plot twist. So many plot twists. Curveball. In 1990, Steve is really starting to break through into the comedy world. Steve wins a national comedy competition which leads to his first big break on Showtime at the Apollo. It's big stuff. Mm-hmm. Once this happens, Marcia, wife, claims that Harvey was singularly focused on becoming famous and just absolutely checked out. Yeah. This same year 1990 is when Marcia learns of Steve's cheating. Bad timing really here. She's pregnant with their son at this time the couple separates. They won't officially divorce for a few more years, but by the time their divorce is finalized, Steve is living with the woman who would become his second wife.
1: Okay. It's
0: a little section of the story. We're getting to the second wife now that I like to call Mary Lee Harvey and soul murder. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. 14 seasons, Stacy. You and I, and we have never had the term soul murder Mentioned on Trashy Divorces before.
1: Yeah, first first time for everything. Okay, but
0: you may be wondering, like, what's up with Marjorie? Where'd Marjorie go? The one Steve couldn't keep his eyes off mm-hmm. of. He had started dating after seeing her at the comedy show. Well, Marjorie says that she knew Steve was the one right after they started dating. But just as she was feeling that she had met Mr. Right, Steve Harvey, Writer of all those books about keeping and fascinating a man, guess what? What? Ghosted her. Oh, man. Ghost Marjorie out. Steve Harvey completely (sighs) stops communicating with her. (sighs) Now, possibly the ghosting is because Steve is still married to Marcia, Mm -hmm. But his conscience only bothers him for just a little while, apparently, because it's not long before he starts an affair with a woman named Mary Shackelford. Steve marries Mary say that five times Mm fast, on June 21st, 1996. Now, coincidentally, Harvey's big break happened that same year when the Steve Harvey Show premieres on TV. Next year, 1997, Steve tours as one of the kings of comedy with Cedric the Entertainer, Bernie Mac, D.L. Hughley. The tour is so well-received that the group tapes the comedy hit special, the original Kings of Comedy, which becomes one of the most successful comedy specials in history. Steve Harvey's career on the fast track. Mm-hmm. To the moon. 1997, Mary and Steve welcome their son. And despite having a child together, Steve now claims he knew right away he'd made a really, really big mistake in marrying Mary. I'm glad that he's written all these books about relationships. Again, slightly ironic. <laughs> Maybe it is because Steve is so busy with his fast-track, booming career. Hey, Steve, here's an idea. Write what you
1: don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Steve feels like his marriage to Mary is a mistake, but he's not in a hurry to remedy it because the couple stays married for nine years before <laughs> they divorce in 2005. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is the guy you want to go to for advice. Here's the trashy part. When Mary and Steve finally do separate, What ensues is one of the messiest divorces in celebrity history. Their fights go viral on television and the internet. The timing is perfect for Mary to get a lot of publicity by smearing Steve's image because his career right now is at the pinnacle. He's one of the most famous men in the entertainment industry at the time of their divorce. What does Mary say? Mary's side of the story, she claims that Steve cheated on her from the very beginning of their marriage, and the fight doesn't end when the divorce is finalized. Mary's accusations and lawsuits will continue, not just continue, but intensify as the years go on, where she goes back and sues her ex-husband for millions a decade after their divorce. Okay. Mary's initial settlement, listen to this, pretty, pretty good, I think, in 2005. Mary receives a one-time payment of $1. $1.5 Then Mary, for another five years, is going to get $40,000 a month in child and spousal support. Hmm.
1: Along with three homes. Wait, did they only have the one kid? Mm-hmm. $40,000 a month in Just child like and half a million support. a year
0: for five years plus your $1.5 plus three homes. Like, you're probably okay. That's a uh, very generous settlement. Uh, yeah. I think. But Steve's popularity and his career continues to grow. And Mary's like, no, I'm not dancing in the dark with you anymore. I want a little bit more. So in 2010, when Steve Harvey becomes the host of Family Feud, his syndicated talk show takes off. He begins to host a number of prestigious events. And it's obvious Steve Harvey is earning significantly larger paychecks. And Mary wants a little shakedown, Mm. wants a little share of that money. Normally not how it works, but go ahead. Now, remember the first wife, Marcia, who stayed private and relatively quiet after their divorce? That's not Mary. Mary's going to make sure that she gets her side of the story out in any way she could. She will accuse Steve Harvey of physically abusing her and their son, but these are allegations none of this has ever been proven. But Mary's level of hatred and rancor for Steve certainly shows the world that divorce is probably the wisest course of action for them to go down. At one point, the feuds are so bad that the judge presiding over this case, very publicly expresses grave disappointment in Mary's behavior. Judge admonishes her. Does that tone Mary down? Hell no. Her vitriol Mm -hmm. increases. Wait, this is... Okay, whoa. Mary accuses Steve of extensive infidelity, not just cheating around, extensive cheating around, throughout the marriage, which is most likely accurate. She'll accuse him of leaving her no money following the divorce. But that's not all. She even demanded Steve Harvey was, quote, wait, charged with a constitutional rights violation, falsifying documents, perjury, contempt of court, embezzlement, extortion, and collusion. This is wild. Mary claims that Steve owes her $50 million. And needs to be arrested for (laughs) violating her civil rights. Civil rights violation.
1: Was she representing herself? No,
0: she went and got a civil rights lawyer. Mary believes that Steve has brought her so much pain and mental anguish that he had quote unquote
1: damaged her soul. I mean, that that can happen in a divorce. Saying her life was
0: never the same after divorcing him. She said she felt suicidal after the divorce and was forced to start self medicating to cope. Did the 40 grand a month not help at all? Well, that's not the extent of Mary's accusations. She said Steve put their son's life in danger. Mary's lawsuit will accuse her former husband of child endangerment, breach of contract, conspiracy against rights, and, and this is the best part, what was he conspiring with? And, Soul murder. Wow. Resulting from torture, deprivation, and brainwashing.
1: I think that is actually a law in Florida. Soul murder? Soul murder. I think that's a felony.
0: (laughs) The document reads, quote, The plaintiff had lost her son, had her businesses taken from her, nowhere to live. All mother's days had been painful and empty. To make the situation even more dramatic... She doesn't hire a lawyer to file the lawsuit. She has a civil rights activist do it. Steve's legal team denies all of Mary's accusations. We said her claims are meritless. Hmm. Hard to believe. So does the judge. <laughs> the judge reviews the case and it is promptly dismissed. Except for the soul murder. <laughs> soul murder. Now, after all of that, Steve Harvey. We'll call his second wife. He has a new fun name for her. Hold on. He said divorcing her was the best decision he ever
1: made. And her new name is Lucifer. Hmm. Like, I, I get it. But also, like, you just won in court. So maybe just let it go. Like, she's the mother of one of your children. Like. Let it go. Let it go. Soul murder. You're Steve Harvey. Just let it go. Yeah. You weren't convicted of the soul murder. <laughs>
0: Move on. Two divorces done. So what happens now Mm. when Steve separates from Mary after murdering her soul and begins dating again, his bodyguard tells Steve the only time he had ever seen him truly happy was when he was dating Marjorie.
1: Years ago. Years ago. Remember that girl you ghosted? You had that one and then you dropped her. Before his marriage to Mary, right? Mm.
0: He loved Marjorie and was captivated by her, but then... When you ghost, ghost a girl, man, you tend to lose touch. This
1: story has so much soul murder and ghosts and, I mean, You didn't woo, know it was so spooky, no, dancing in the dark. No.
0: Okay, now Steve's bodyguard convinces Steve that it would be a, a no, the biggest mistake of your life, man, if you don't go find that girl. And that's what Steve Harvey does. Oh, my God. The two reconnect. They briefly date and get married June 2007. I just would imagine that's a very awkward phone call. Steve adopts Marjorie's three children, giving wow. everyone a large blended family. But blending the family is not easy at first. Steve, big family guy, family feud, apparently he's into it, tells People Magazine that he just told his kids to deal with it. Again. Top five answers to not tell your kids in a blended family situation. Don't write relationship books if this is... Marjorie has a slightly alternative uh, approach to dealing with the blended family. Marjorie tells people, when you're dealing with a blended family, everyone is coming from a place of broken. We knew this was right, but I just told them everyone is included. Everyone has access to their parents. Whatever you didn't have before, don't let that interfere with what you can have now. Marjorie sounds like a... Marjorie should Straight be Straight up lady. Yeah,
1: Marjorie should be writing the relationship
0: books, not Steve. Well, Marjorie
1: uh, is a fashionista. She's a
0: fashion industry blogger. She owns and runs the fashion and lifestyle brand called The Lady Loves Couture. Hmm. She's had 3 children of her own. So between the two of them, their blended family now contains 7 kids. Steve, Mr. Advice, tells Good Housekeeping that one of his rules is that he doesn't talk about his ex-wives. I don't bring up exes. I don't remember them or have any fond memories. I didn't
1: know anything until my wife came along. I mean, it sounds like it's best to let that second one go for sure. So, well,
0: Steve will credit his third wife, Marjorie, for everything he has now, and for finally bringing him happiness. He says Marjorie has made him a more spiritual man. They both call each other their best friend, which is nice. In an interview with Essence magazine, Steve said that he and Marjorie's marriage happened at the perfect time in his life because he was in a place to finally be successful in a relationship, saying before a man can be of use to a woman, he's got to know who he is, what he does, and how much he's going to make. In addition to having to deal with the stress of blending their families, the couple also has to deal with cheating and divorce rumors. hmm It is in July of 2018 that RadarOnline.com claims the couple is in the middle of a 400 million divorce bombshell. Because Steve was, wait on it, getting too close to the showbiz pal, Kris Jenner. Whoa. Addressing the rumor with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Steve Harvey said, my wife came to me and said, do we have $400 million?" And I said, no, nah, not yet. <laughs> he went on to say that he's sick of the false things that are being spread about him and his family. They act like I don't have family. They act like my kids can't read. They don't care. They just go out and destroy people with no facts behind it. Fair enough. But Radar Online does not stop spreading those rumors. In May of 2019, they claimed Steve was on a hush-hush mission to liquidate assets ahead of a divorce battle. The exclusive report goes on to claim that Steve and Marjorie had a bitter blowout that resulted in Marjorie taking their daughter on a month-long trip around the world.
1: I do not know if Steve Harvey could keep up with the Kardashians. I'm just going to be honest here. They set a pretty rapid pace. Kris Jenner just seems like
0: <laughs> a lot. So. All right, continue. These claims are also untrue. They address the rumor with humor and post a funny video about the claim saying they had no idea they were splitting up. The couple now is enjoying together their five grandchildren. Steve joked on his show and says he loves his grandkids, but he had been looking forward to being an empty nester. Jokingly, he'll say, I've been waiting years for my kids to get out of my house. Now they come back to my house and they got more people with them. It's a good joke. So far, it looks like the third time really is the charm for Steve Harvey. He promised Essence Magazine that he's never getting married again and that everything I have is because of this girl right here. Marjorie, for her part, was as doting as Steve in the interview and said, I wish every woman can find a soulmate like I've been blessed to find. This is really my best friend. <laughs> And those are the trashy divorces of Steve Harvey. I don't know
1: the amount of trash cans that one would assign for soul for, murder. I was going to say a soul murder seems like a high trash can kind of situation. Probably
0: a civil rights mm-hmm. activist
1: lawyer could tell me
0: how many trash cans constitutes a soul murder. Yeah,
1: that that's probably a lot. Probably like 400
0: million of them. 400 million? Uh-huh. A judge would probably have to decide or dismiss it. Or dismiss it. I don't it. know. I mean, I get in a bad, bad, bad breakup. You do feel like your soul has been murdered. Absolutely. 100%. But,
1: but this was a decade on, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's quite the turn of phrase. That is,
0: that is, you murdered my soul 10 years later.
1: That's a lot. I don't that's know. A, that's a
0: lot. You know how you leave a bad relationship behind? You leave. You just go. Don't play Especially on the field anymore. When you have that much money to get a fresh start, go get a fresh start. It seemed like there was enough money there to have a fresh start. Yeah. You could move anywhere in the world that you wanted to live. So, again, not too many trash cans for the first marriage. That seemed pretty Mm run-of-the-mill, regular old normal trash can dollops there. Yeah. Soul murder,
1: (laughs) TBD. Uh, Oh, man. I just... I never want to be charged with soul murder, Alicia, I hope.
0: <laughs> it took us 14 seasons, but soul murder
1: has now entered the
0: Trashy Divorces yeah. lexicon. I
1: mean, what kind of, like, what judge has jurisdiction there? It's tough to it's... tell. <laughs> We're going to leave
0: you, Trash Pandas, contemplating these questions. When we come back, Stacy's going to be dancing in the dark with a
1: It's a great combo of gameplay, it's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale?
0: If you have been thinking about your financial situation. If you've been brewing questions you would like to ask a financial professional. If you would like some guidance on addressing debt, investing, or other general financial organization. Then in the immortal lyrics of Amy
1: Ray, I said it's time. Don't assume anything. Just just go, 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 go to theoaktreegroup.net there you will find the contact information for three holistic financial planners that have been working together for over 17 years kelly eileen and ellen will tailor a financial strategy for your unique goals and circumstances you can also give them a call at
0: 770-319-1700 to schedule your free one-hour consultation They would never use your years to psych you out.
1: Again, the phone number is 770-319-1700. And the website is www.theoaktreegroup.net.
0: Go, go, go. And we're back from break to continue our dancing in the dark voyage this Mm -hmm. week on Trashy Divorces. Stacey, what you got?
1: A little more literal on the dancing in the dark for reasons that we will see. Alicia. Science tells us that opposites attract. It's just science. But at a certain point, attempting to maintain radically different lifestyles, especially where one partner may not be forthrightly addressing a substance misuse issue, can grind a happy marriage down to an unhappy nub. That seems to be the story of Courtney Cox and David Arquette, who got through 11 years of marriage and a child together in spite of a seven-year age difference. He's younger hectic Hollywood schedules, and David Arquette's uniquely eclectic career choices, including that time he became a professional wrestler and was briefly the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. What? No. It that happened? happened? I, will, I will tell it all. Where was I? <laughs> I don't think we were watching pro wrestling, I think. Anyway, it's I a whole... I missed out on that phenomenon. It's a whole thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to you. Love it. No more missing out for you. So let's meet the pride of Alabama, Courtney Cox. Courtney was born June 15th, 1964 in Birmingham, Alabama, the youngest of four kids. And when she was about 10, her parents divorced. Her mother remarried a businessman who is an uncle of the police's Stuart Copeland. No. What a tiny world. Huh. And Courtney herself graduated from the very fancy Mountain Brook High School. Mountain Brook being the richest... Fancy area. Municipality Mm -hmm. in Alabama. She was initially going to study architecture in Washington, D.C., but found that modeling and acting were more exciting ways to spend her time, her college years. People of a certain age will recall that Courtney Cox first gained public notice as the girl Bruce Springsteen pulled on stage in his Dancing in the Dark video in 1984.
0: I watched it this week, and she's just so fresh-faced
1: so fresh-faced he is too though i i was Mm -hmm. too young at the time to notice the parallels to elvis but big elvis energy if you go to youtube and search springsteen dancing in the dark i it's a great song in my mind and uh anyway big elvis vibes okay but what i did not realize was that this was not a spontaneous event i was a kid when the video came out so perhaps not the most astute consumer of media But it turns out that Brian De Palma cast her in that role. There was a casting call for, like, this whole... It was all... It was a real concert, but they also really shot the video. Mind blown. I have believed a lie for decades.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trashy divorces shatters your illusions once again.
1: So the Dancing in the Dark video was genuinely her kind of breakout moment got her tons of attention, and it led to a bunch of small roles on television, including on The Love Boat. Murder, she wrote. Aww. And she played Alex P. Keaton's girlfriend on Family Ties*. She sure
0: did. I had forgotten all about that. Right?
1: It came from the 80s. There were some film roles. She was in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, for instance, with TD alum Jim Carrey. But, of course, the role that she is best known for, and which made her a for-real star was playing Monica Geller on Friends. Debuting in the fall of 1994, Friends would run for 10 seasons and become one of the most storied and beloved television shows ever. In 1996, Courtney caught wind of a very different kind of role than Monica Geller, that of reporter Gail Weathers in a Wes Craven-directed horror movie called Scream. The role was initially offered to Brooke Shields and Janine Garofalo, with the producers believing that Courtney was too nice to believably portray the rude and overbearing kind of striver character in Scream. So she prevailed in the end, uh, as we know, and this is where we will park the now famous Courtney Cox as we cross the tracks at the trashy divorces depot to meet her future ex-husband, David Arquette. David Arquette was born on September 8th, 1971, on a hippie commune in Virginia.
0: Fantastic.
1: Religious, spiritual. Anyway, he's the youngest child of creatives from a creative lineage. His great-grandparents were a big deal on the vaudeville circuit. His grandfather was comedian Cliff Arquette, and his father was actor and producer Louis Arquette who once managed the Second City Theater... ...which we just talked about with the Jason Sudeikis story...
0: Spiderwebs. ...in
1: Chicago. His mother, Brenda Nowak, was an actor and poet with a history as a burlesque dancer. She would later become a marriage counselor. David's four siblings, of course, are Rosanna, Richmond, Patricia, and Alexis, and as you may know, they are all actors. It was not a great childhood. In a 2011 Oprah appearance, David, with the help of his siblings explained the weirdness of growing up on a rural religious commune, but also hippie-flavored. Patricia Arquette said, There was no electricity, no bathroom. I don't even think there was running water. Oh, my God. Their mother was violent with them.
0: Oh, God. mm -hmm,
1: Patricia recalls being choked to the point that she was blacking out when she was small. And Rosanna was stabbed in the arm with a knife by her mother. This is terrible. She continued, quote, concussions, just terrible, terrible physical abuse. An older and wiser 2020, David, told The Guardian's Hadley Freeman, My mother was one of the most loving, sweet, angelic people, but she was abusive to us. We had a turbulent childhood, but also a childhood filled with love. So that is complicated. That is a complicated... That's a lot to unpack. It is, Yes. Dad wasn't really emotionally available to help out, being busy with booze and marijuana, as well as his own acting career. The family relocated to Los Angeles when, when David was quite young. Like, I think they were only on that commune for a handful of years.
0: I hope they got electricity and water.
1: <laughs> so, so that Rosanna could start acting is why they moved. But they landed in a pretty rough part of Los Angeles. They went from no electricity and no running water to concerns about gang wars outside David has even told a story about their house being burned down once as part of a gang dispute, and he himself was a bit of an adolescent troublemaker running with a graffiti crew called The Kids Gone Bad, the KGB. Oh my, Kids (laughs)
0: Gone Bad, graffiti crew.
1: So in light of all of that, uh, it may not entirely be surprising that David started stealing his dad's stash pot when he was eight and sneaking his whiskey when he was about 12. In high school, he was ambivalent about embracing what by that point was the family business. I think all of his siblings by that point were were working actors. But through school plays, he realized that he genuinely enjoyed the work. He told The Ringer, I was like, maybe there is something here and it's not just nepotism. After graduating high school, he hit the ground running in Hollywood with guest spots on TV shows like Blossom and Beverly Hills 90210. He and Luke Perry would develop a Friendship that, you know, lasted through the end of Luke Perry's life. And in films like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Airheads. It was at a pre-party for the cast and crew of 1996's Scream that we returned to the Trashy Divorces Depot, where David Arquette fell deeply in love at first sight. For me it was, but not for her. I had to trick her, he would tell. He would tell Bang Media in 09. We met at a pre-party before we started filming Scream, I was being a little cocky, and Courtney was like, ah, I've heard of you, and we just kept flirting for a while. She's just so gorgeous, and she jokes around so much. Courtney, meanwhile, was a bit more circumspect about the wild and crazy guy in her midst. I was intimidated by David, she explained. He's lived many, many lives, I think. He is a worldly boy. He has done more things in his young years than I have in my whole life, so he taught me a lot. It was director Wes Craven who finally sat David down to administer some fatherly advice. He said, David, you know she likes you, and you should really get your stuff together. The exact stuff appears, at least in part, to have been David's reliance on drugs and alcohol to numb the pain that he was experiencing as his mother was dying of breast cancer. She would pass in 1997, Mm. shortly before David would turn 26. By 1998, he and Courtney were engaged. And in 1999, they married. In San Francisco, the cast of Friends all attended, with TD alum Jen Aniston bringing her then-husband Brad Pitt and Patricia Arquette bringing her then-husband TD alum Nicholas Cage. It's a magical time. A magical time. They would have a daughter together in 2004, but not before a lot of very painful stuff happened. First, they realized that a baby would not come easy for them. Courtney has said that she miscarried, quote, quite a few times unquote and that it sometimes made her job absolutely devastating quote I remember one time I had just had a miscarriage and Rachel played by Jennifer Aniston was giving birth it was like that same time Um, continues oh my god it was terrible having to be funny yeah I think want to say that
0: scene where Emma was born Mm -hmm. happened the day after like really within like a day or two of a miscarriage which just yeah would wreck you
1: yeah it did Another thing that happened very quickly into the marriage is that David Arquette led his lifelong love of pro wrestling, the soap opera for boys variety that we covered back in season four with Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. Uh, That was season four, episode seven. So he allowed this to capture all of his attention when he was cast in a movie called Ready to Rumble in 1999. Oh my. This led him, starting in 2000, to appear in World Championship Wrestling, the WCW, storylines as a crossover effort to promote the movie. WCW even ended up writing David as the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a writing choice that he resisted but ultimately agreed to participate in. This was, I don't know if you recall, like, Wednesday Night Nitro, that kind of stuff. Like, he was in that. There were some pay-per-view things that...
0: Oh, my.
1: Yeah. Minor problem... This was an unbelievably unpopular storyline with the wrestling audience, which has basically hated David Arquette ever since. This is widely viewed as the least popular thing that ever happened in pro wrestling.
0: And there have been so many things that have happened in pro wrestling. Wow.
1: So not only did the wrestling audience detest this, but it also knocked his acting career off stride because Hollywood is looking on as this is happening and collectively going... Huh? What? What are you doing? Right. Pro wrestling? Okay. Even Courtney Cox, newly married to this unpredictable dude, was boggled. In that Hadley Freeman piece in The Guardian, she was quoted as saying, I was on Friends. Everything looked pretty good with our careers. And then all of a sudden, he wants to start wrestling. And I remember feeling embarrassed because there was nothing small about the way he embraced wrestling.
0: Oh, my.
1: All in. He is genuinely an avid wrestling enthusiast who has continued to compete intermittently. He nearly had his throat slit in a 2018 deathmatch event where uh, oh God. weapons are allowed. No! He received five stitches to his throat. It did not hit his jugular, but for a minute he thought, he thought glass had... Why? Why would you participate in a sport that's going to kill you? He has a wrestling ring in his backyard. Oh, God where he and his friends, including the late Luke Perry's son, practice. And uh, David was the subject of a 2020 documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. The title is from a song of the same name, which bills itself this way. Branded as the most hated man in wrestling after winning a highly controversial WCW World Heavyweight Championship in 2000, (laughs) actor David Arquette attempts a rocky return to the sport that stalled his promising Hollywood career. Dangerously determined to redeem his reputation and reclaim his self-respect, Arquette will stop at nothing to earn his place in professional wrestling. I mean, that's
0: some commitment. That is pushing the needle pretty far there, my friend. Especially given that he
1: was, like, pushing 50 by this point. (laughs) Like, okay. So we're going to go back to our timeline of, like, 2000-ish. This is incredible. Just because life likes to pile on, in 2001, David's father, long since sober and having more or less mended fences with his kids, died of heart failure at the Mm. age of 65. David was 29. So he
0: loses his mom and his dad within a few short years of each other. Four years spent in
1: his 20s. He was having intensely emotional pregnancy problems with his wife. His once high-flying career was suddenly looking very precarious. And you can see how a lifetime of experience, self-managing, a substance misuse disorder could begin to spiral. Yeah. In spite of everything, as noted, they did make it 11 years. And there's a lot of reason to believe that while by then the marriage was well and truly broken, their bond really never has. The split began on their 11th wedding anniversary. David told Oprah, it was on the 12th of June. And she said, I don't want to be your mother anymore. Mm
0: -hmm. I didn't
1: understand at the time.
0: Oh, I've had that relationship. It's terrible.
1: They did not go public with their breakup right away, but one night that October in 2010, David stayed up until the wee hours drinking, set an alarm for 5.30 in the morning, and called into Howard Stern's show to get some things off his chest. No,
0: no, dude. Dude. Because calling Howard Stern at 5.30 in the morning after an all-night rager is always a terrible idea.
1: Yeah. So he revealed that they Mm -hmm. were separated and that he was, quote, not the one that called this in order, said it breaks my heart, said I've been begging Courtney to get back with me. She's conflicted, too. Hinted that they broke up because he was too immature. She said to me, I don't want to be your mother anymore. And I appreciated that about her. She didn't want to tell me don't do that. She didn't want to nag me anymore. So the cat was out of the bag. A statement was forthcoming. And I think it's notable for what it says and for what you can read between the lines. Quote, we've agreed to a trial separation that dates back for some time. The reason for this separation is to better understand ourselves and the qualities we need in a partner and for our marriage.
0: Very wise.
1: We remain best friends and responsible parents to our daughter, and we still love each other deeply. We are comfortable with the boundaries that we have established for each other during this separation. And we hope that our friends, family, fans, and the media also show us respect, dignity, understanding, and love at this time as well. Good statement. It's a good statement. It sounds like maybe some ultimatums may have been issued. The boundaries thing.
0: Right. It's an interesting statement.
1: Learning about ourselves and Mm -hmm. what we need. It's, yeah, there's a lot there. That's a a good statement. Courtney would go on Stern the following spring (laughs) and also open up a bit. Complaining that David's incessant sex drive had been a frustration, that he was incapable of consoling her during her own father's last days without, in her words, completely getting a boner. Fun. (laughs) And that they were just very opposite. There was also this we're not fighters. We probably don't get as real as we needed to, as we do now. There are a lot of things that David likes to do, completely the opposite things I do. I'm a homebody. David doesn't drink anymore. He's completely sober, but he likes to go out and dance. I don't want to inhibit him in his life. He really is a very gregarious guy. He's very outgoing. I'm much more of an introvert. This appearance on Stern came after David had checked himself into a residential rehab facility at the beginning of 2011 and got sober for what he would later say was the first time in 30 years. Now, good on him. Mm -hmm. I think he likely hoped and believed that it was possible that New Year, New David might be able to put things back together with Courtney. And I suspect that they both honestly tried, but in June of 2012, they filed for divorce on the same day, citing our favorite irreconcilable Irreconcilable differences differences that, quote, have caused the irremediable breaking of the marriage. Mm. The matter was finalized in May of 2013 with a shared custody agreement. That was not the end for them, though. It was just a change in status. They have starred together in movies since splitting up. There was 2011 Scream 4, and this year, 2022, they starred in Scream 5 together. Came out in January, grossed $140 million or something, and there's going to be another one. Wow. Yeah. They've continued to run a production company together. It's called Coquette Productions, Cox and Arquette. Oh, nice. And also Coquette, a flirty uh-huh. woman or whatever. In 2020, David told Yahoo News... We're co-parents to our daughter who's 16, so we have a really great relationship. We're friends and we've communicated a lot because of co-parenting. Our daughter's really great. There's difficult parts, especially through the teenage years. There's a lot of emotions and feelings. We've just had not an easy time with it. We've just been really open and supportive of each other. We never went head to head or battled each other through the process of divorce and through raising our kid. So it's made for a friendship and relationship that's out of respect. Well, that's good. It's really good. Well done. So Courtney has been with Snow Patrol's Johnny McDade since 2013. They were engaged for a while. I think they are not engaged, but they are still together. I'm not sure how all that. I don't know how people come to those decisions. Anyway, she says, he's my guy. He's my one. But saying partner is difficult for me. I was in Atlanta not that long ago. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to meet my partner in Section F. And they were like... Oh, I'm sure she's going to be there, don't worry. No. <laughs> David remarried in 2015 to Christina McLarty, who is reportedly pleased that he seems to have gotten his pro wrestling career out of his system at least for the time being. Apparently, everyone was very worried about him in his more recent years incarnation. He had a heart attack. Oh,
0: Lord. Uh,
1: yeah, and and that apparently prompted him to don't get back into wrestle competing in wrestling death matches. I mean, David. anyway, they have two sons. David. I think he is technically retired from wrestling now, but I mean, things change. Wise move. He's a, he's a fit 50 or whatever. So good on both of them, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. I'm going to give this one seven trash cans to reflect their age difference, because I think that her maturity for her age and his lack of maturity for his age was actually the core divide that they couldn't thoroughly bridge in the mm. relationship and the rest of the stuff kind of just levered it wider apart over time. So there we go. World heavyweight wrestling champion David. I had Arquette. no idea.
0: I don't know where
1: I was during that whole <laughs> I, I, decade. I didn't either I was like this was a thing? It was anyway, this was a fun one to research because uh, David Arquette is just a silly guy. Like he's he seems genuinely cool. Courtney Cox Seems genuinely wonderful, so.
0: Well done, Stacey. Thank you. Thanks for that.
1: High-flying, sequin-bearing, costume changes. Anyway, wrestling. So, soul murder, (laughs) pro wrestling, don't say Trashy Divorces
0: doesn't have it
1: all. A little bit of
0: everything. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode. We're going to be back on Wednesday with kind of a surprise, I think. We got something fun planned this week for everybody on Trashy Breakups. If you need more Trash Candy in the meantime, you can always check us out where, Stacey?
1: Patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces. Or you can check out the kind of public archive of what we've pulled from the paywall over there at bit.ly slash Trash Candy. Just plug that into a browser. Always something fun going on over there.
0: That is the truth. I've been working on my stories for the week over there. It's so good. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Until we talk again. Keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy. Big love. Have a tremendous week, friends. Talk soon. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O.
1: Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy, check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at
0: TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com.